Today's Issues continues on AFR. Welcome back to Today's Issues on American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman sitting in today. We have Ray Pritchard with us and Steve Jordahl. Steve, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes, sir. Glad to have you. We've got a couple interesting, good, I, I think view is, uh, what I view as good topics to discuss. A lot of stuff to talk about. We probably won't get to all of it, but we'll we'll hold some stuff over if it's uh, if we think it's worth it. But yeah. All right, let's get started, man. Well, let's start with uh, the debate over masks. Uh, different places uh, of this country are kind of easing up on the mask mandates as we get more and more vaccines spread around and the, the disease declines, um, infection rate declines, I should say. Uh, and this uh, study, actually published in January, but it's just now kind of getting some press. There was a study, and it's a peer-reviewed study. Um, the the researcher's name is... Baruch Weinschelboim, and he's very, it's rather Jewish, but he, um, he has a study, and it basically wanted to test the effectiveness of masks. Let me read from the conclusions. The existing scientific evidence challenges the safety and efficacy of wearing face masks as preventative intervention. It says, while wearing face masks has been demonstrated to have substantial uh, it, while it doesn't work to, to stop the virus, it has been demonstrated to have substantial adverse physiological and psychological effects. Let me read a list of what happens, what you're subject to, or what a mask can cause. Hypoxia, hypercapnia, which is too much CO2 in the blood, shortness of breath, increased acidity and toxicity, activation of fear and stress response, Rise in stress hormones, immunosuppression, fatigue, headaches, decline in cognitive performance, predisposition for viral infections, chronic stress, anxiety, and depression. Wow. That's if you wear the mask. Yeah. You know, I came across this study, uh, linked to it last night, and it's actually, it was published in January of 2021, just a few months ago, and it was a Stanford study. Yeah. And I started reading it, and you know, you can, these studies are pretty complex sometimes, but if you... If you just read, you know, the Cliff Notes version, you can pretty much get out of the study what you're looking for. And basically, Ray, this, you know, <laughs> it's funny to say this, but obviously science changes because, right. <laughs> or it's at least disputed. Sure. Uh, what is, what is quote, settled science? And we get this a lot, and I'm not trying to be a, a, a science settler here, but we've been told for 12 months now that it is settled science that masks do prevent the spread of COVID-19. And that's been, that's been repeated over and over again by the CDC and, and people all across the country and in the media. But, Ray, what this study shows me is it's really not settled science. Well, isn't it true this, this study affirms what we have all suspected for the last year, that we were being... We were being, I was going to say fed a bill, but let, let me change it. Because I think it's true to say, in March of last year, everybody was scrambling, right? In, including including our political leaders. Everybody was scrambling. But it didn't take long to figure out that the 10 days became 15, became 30 to flatten the curve. It wasn't working. Uh, the mask, you know, maybe that had some psychological 
thing, uh, some psychological benefit. But what seems clear to me, Steve, is that this study shows definitively that uh, it really didn't do any good at all. So how long until Twitter and Facebook? <laughs> That's a good question. The, <laughs> throw the, it off social media. The actual wording of their conclusion is the data suggests that both medical and non-medical face masks are ineffective to block human-to-human transmission of viral and infectious diseases such as SARS-CoV-19. Uh, wow. to, uh, COVID-19. Yeah. And to your point, Ray, uh, Twitter has been like the uh, they they believe they are better at medicine than they are at, uh, a, at a you know social media platform because yeah. they are just determining that anybody who speaks out against masks, man, that's a that's you're in jail. Twitter yeah, jail. And, and you know I think what's most frustrating is there are many Americans out there that they just want to see the proof, they just want to be able to at least debate whether things like masks actually work or not because many people don't believe they don't work they'll, they'll tell you that and that they said that's why i'm not wearing one because they don't work and that you can cite studies but i think what's frustrating is you've had the media along with big tech and others that have basically been calling anyone who wants to dispute mask usage they've been canceling them from social media they've been calling them science deniers when now it's coming out that maybe that belief and our skepticism about masks was actually pretty well-founded from to begin with. And I think this cancel culture of anyone who wants to dispute the status quo or what the CDC says, it, it's just it, it makes people honestly disrespect the CDC and others who claim something as settled science even though it's not settled science. I think it was you that, in fact, this uh, study was published uh, uh, Fauci's own, the NIH published uh, this this study. What's really fascinating to me, and I think we'll someday, if somebody chooses to take it up, we'll make a very interesting uh, sociological test, that how it's been politicized. Why is it that liberals, Democrats, blue states um, are still strong on the masks and red states are not? Um, my family lives in California. I'm still, my parents still cannot attend church mm. in California. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, it's virtue signaling to my mind at the highest degree that and people shame you for not wearing a mask. You don't care. I yeah. it just as fascinating to me. Well, there's this, there's this view and many Democrats hold this, that government is the end all be all Ray, And right. that whatever government and the so-called experts say that is, that's the gospel. That's what we ought to go by. And anyone who disputes it should be shunned. And I think that's why Democrat states are just clinging to this this power, this overreach. Over the weekend or last week, I was I was on a plane a couple of times flying to New York, upstate New York, and then down to Florida and then back to Kansas City. And it's interesting what happens inside the airport. Everybody puts the mask on, right? Then you're seated in the plane and you got a ton of people inside that tube 35,000 feet up in the sky but boy do they warn you don't <laughs> you dare don't you dare pull that mask down you may be asked to leave you could be put on a blacklist terrible you know your house will be taken away from you i mean i hope you're reason. not asked to leave at 35,000 feet I, I really hate it when that happens <laughs> <laughs> you miss your connection there uh and I, and i thought to myself what an awful way we've been forced to live for the last year. And now we're finding out in a certified 
Steve, did you say this study came from the NIH? This it, study was, was, it was a Stanford study published in the NIH, on the NIH website. NIH website has it, yes. I'm <laughs> Which is at the, Fauci's website. Yeah. This, the NIH is what Fauci runs. Yep. So, so basically what we've done for last year, last year had been a terrible imposition on the American people and has basically accomplished nothing. Yeah. You know, one, one more note. I just have to give a shout-out to my home state, Mississippi. This, this past weekend— Mississippi State played Ole Miss, and as we all know here, that's a big rival. Well, the the ESP, baseball, right? Yeah, baseball game, uh, which which Mississippi State's we're proud of that. We're not necessarily proud of everything else, except for women's basketball. There you go. But the uh, the 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 baseball game on Friday Friday had about ten thousand attendees. We've got a state of the art facility, and I'm not exaggerating. The Saturday game Ray had thirteen thousand plus people wow. in attendance and wow. the announcer noted the ESPN announcer noted that Mississippi State on Saturday had more fans than the Yankees on the same day <laughs> oh beautiful oh that is so beautiful New York New York State they would not let more than 10,000 people in the Yankee stadium yeah, that's a huge despite stadium. the fact that yeah, it, it holds tens of thousands right and right. here we are in good old Mississippi with more fans than the Yankees on a Saturday, I bet, I bet that's a record. I bet and probably never better happened. baseball too. It definitely that's, better baseball. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Mississippi State ended up uh, squeezing that out on Saturday. So good, good, uh, good memories. And Mississippi finally set a good record <laughs> in uh, in one arena. There you go. All right, uh, Steve, what you got? Um, Liberty University is suing its former president Jerry Falwell Jr. You may remember that uh, the scandal publicly became known when a, a photograph of him on a boat standing next to a young woman that was uh, not his wife, um, his pants were unzipped and he was joking around about something. And then it came out that his wife was having an affair with a pool boy and he was uh, alleged to have been involved in that somehow. And he, was, he basically was asked to leave. Well, he's being sued for $10 million in damages. The university claims the lawsuit in the lawsuit that Falwell created a well-resourced exit strategy by renegotiating a 2019 raise and severance package. He knew he was that the end was coming, I think, and he, he got this golden parachute out. It also uh, alleges that he is uh, personally impaired by alcohol frequently. He's an alcoholic is what they're saying. Yeah. And uh, so they're suing him for twenty uh, $10 million, hoping to get some of that golden parachute money yeah, back. Yeah, what, what Jerry Falwell Jr. did to the university here is is shameful. You know, the way he basically set up the university uh, in a terrible position with his private, with his behavior, both on the job and off the job. And and to not be remorseful about it even now. Yeah. You know, there I haven't seen any sign of remorse from Jerry Falwell Jr. I mean, he's still trying to basically extort the university and get get a bunch of money out of them. And Ray, you know, this was before my time, but but his father, Jerry Falwell Jr., I mean, that Jerry, I'm sorry, Jerry Falwell Sr. really set up that that university in a godly manner and it's flourished since. Well, it is the largest Christian university, not just in America, but around the world. And uh, 15,000 in residence and over 100,000 if you count the online. And that's, that's you know, Jerry Fowell Jr. did some good things in terms of building it up after his father died. But Liberty University exists because of 
Jerry Falwell Sr., who, Walker, yeah. was a really good friend of your grandfather, Don Wildman, the, the founder of American Family Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Sr., very great man and a very great leader. Uh, basically, if I were giving advice to Jerry Jr., I've never met him, I'd say that $10 million, give it back today. Yeah. You know, he you, you made the deal. They've caught you. And and to think, and think about this, guys. They've got a fairly strict behavior policy uh, at Liberty, and now the board is alleging the former president has a drinking problem. Yeah, I think if I were Jerry Jr., I'd give the money back, and then I'd move away from Lynchburg, and it'd be many years before I would come back. Liberty is a great school. It is. And it's still a great university, Absolutely. and it deserves better leadership than it has had in yeah. the last few years. Yeah, and this, this emphasizes the need for believers, whether you're in leadership or not, to live above approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, and, and there, there's such a high responsibility to be over something, you know, so large like Liberty University. And, um, the one last thing I'll say about that is the, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s brother, Jonathan, we talked about this a little bit this morning, Ray, his brother, right. I believe his name is Jonathan. He's a pastor there right. in the Virginia Thomas area. Right. And, right. and, and from what I'm seeing on social media and a few other places, he's actually, you know, taking a more of a spiritual role in Liberty University, and so I just I just hope that that it pans out to where uh, at least someone in the family can still play a significant role in the university, considering considering all that Jerry Falwell Sr. did to build that university. Uh, I have good friends who know Jonathan Falwell very well and hold him in extremely high esteem. So I'm hoping exactly what you said is true. Uh, we have seen Christian colleges slide the wrong direction. I do not want to see that to happen at Liberty. It has been it's been a strong university over these last few decades, and uh, we it they need really strong, godly, committed leadership there for it to stay strong because the the battle is raging all around us. We need Liberty right there on the front lines. That's right. Absolutely. All right, Steve. Um, Black Lives Matter likes to uh, rally anytime there's been a police shooting. We've seen this over and over, and uh, sometimes those rallies turn violent. Uh, they were in Minnesota in um, Brooklyn Center. They were protesting this uh, latest uh, shooting, and they got word that there was another police shooting just down the, down the road a bit. So a bunch of them went off to the governor's mansion and took a knee and started uh, a moment of silence for this poor uh, man that was shot by police. Uh, What they did not know at the time and what they found out was the man who was shot was a white man. And he was uh, he stole a car from a woman at gunpoint and then repeatedly shot at the police as they chased him. Well, after Black Lives Matter heard this, the uh, the uh, reporter f- that is covering this for Black Lives Matter, kind of their sympathetic reporter, says they turned back and instead headed back to Brooklyn Center uh, because they need more information about what happened in Burnsville first. <laughs> wow! I, I, when Oops. when Steve Steve when Oops. you brought that to the story this morning, I thought it was a Babylon Bee article. Right, right, right. You know, and this this. Father proves what we've talked about, and that is that many people are, are only interested in pushing a narrative. And when the situation doesn't fit their narrative, they're out. Yeah. They're out to find another situation, another tragedy that can fit their narrative, Ray. Need to do a little more research before yeah. they take the knee, I guess. <laughs> we need to know. Wow. <laughs>
Dictionaries. Can we talk about dictionaries for a minute? Uh, reporters, uh, the left has been doing this, and I've got a reporter. Uh, his name is Sergio Olmos. He works Olmos, O-L-M-O-S. He's a reporter for Oregon Public Broadcasting. He's been uh, submitted articles, been published in the New York Times, the National Public Radio. He is covering the issues in Portland is where he's at. And you may remember, or maybe you didn't notice, but there was a, a, an Apple store that was set ablaze in Portland a couple days ago. Yeah. And uh, he was covering this, and he was tweeting out at the time. And he was very careful to, to minimize the damage of the, of the fire three or four times. He says, it's only the debris outside the store that they piled up is on fire. Oh, oops, well, the store is now on fire. He got taken to task because he would not use the term riot or he would not say that they were a violent protest. Well, he, he, it turns out that... He says, journalists don't declare riots, police do, until then it's a protest. Well, the police had declared it a riot. So, he, then he, he, he this is the, what he says about the language he uses, uh, or that journalists are supposed to use. We don't describe breaking windows as violence. For violence, a sentient beating, being must be involved. It has to be against a person. However, a multi-story building was set on fire, unknown if anyone is inside without being sure a building is empty. It is a violent act. They are redefining <laughs> violence. Right. It's violent if there are people if, there. If it, it, Breaking a window is not violent. Uh, you know, a, 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 what, a graffiti on a wall. Is certain, well, it's kind of not if violent. You, if you set an empty building on fire, that not, would not be Not that, violent. Not violent. No. Okay. Well, you know, this actually raises a good question is the January 6th, what was that at the Capitol? Because if all they were doing was vandalizing the Capitol grounds, then was that violence or was it not? Well, it, <laughs> the the death of the one woman at the hands of Capitol Police would, would that be would violent. That violence. would qualify as violence. Sure. By the way, since you mentioned that, yesterday the uh, medical examiner's report on the death of Brian Sicknick is his yeah. first name. Right. Brian, Capitol right. Police Officer, Capitol Police Officer, who was allegedly uh, killed at the riot, he came out and the the cause of death was natural causes from a stroke, not uh, anything related. Not anything to that the, happened on January. Nothing that 6th. happened on January sixth. But the narrative, Steve, for days, but the narrative, and right. still, was that. Trump supporters basically killed this officer. Well, yeah, and you can still hear, read about the January 6th, whatever, insurrection, uprising, and they'll say that took the lives of five people. The first story was that somebody had taken a fire extinguisher, right? And, and hit him on the head. And hit him on the head somehow. And then, but evidently, then that story disappeared about a month ago. Well, I don't know. He might have been hit with something, but afterwards, he tweeted out after the event, the evening of January 6th, I'm home and uh, I'm feeling okay. Everything's good. Right. Mm. So, yeah. Um, that, so, the, so, the, so this journalist out in Oregon wants to redefine what violence is. They, you know, it's such a pernicious thing. That's, this is the tactic the left uses. They start with a dictionary. They change the word, the meaning of a word, uh, and then we don't have common vocabulary. They can claim anything that they want. That's how come they can claim President Trump is racist or that all of us are racist. Or that white. illegal immigration is not illegal immigration. Right, because all of a sudden you can't go to the dictionary and say, well, you know, the definition of racism is any 
race that is superior, said to be superior than another right. because of race. But no, no, it has to be white. That's the new definition. And so that, that's how they win. They think well, and they the left arguments. plays this game, Steve, much better than, than, than we conservatives do. Well, it's, it's, the old it's dishonest. Trick, right? <laughs> well, sure, it's <laughs> dishonest. Sure. It's the old debater's trick. He, he who frames the issue wins the debate, right? Yeah. right? And the left understands that. They take terms that we think we understand. They inject them with new meaning. They control the media. Yep. That's why they win that debate. Indeed. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday off air, but, you know, the – the left is they they've even painted the word the term evangelical as like right. a bad word now that's like a curse word uh, amongst the amongst the media oh, now sure. because sure. they 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 link that with Trump and all their bad terminology and yeah. definitions that they white throw supremacy on and, exactly. and all of that yeah exactly so yeah terms and definitions are important yeah they are um, do you remember whenever we hear the story about the a snowflake at a college campus complaining because life is unfair and we keep saying we'll wait until they get out into the real world life will teach them a hard lesson well in fact it is true <laughs> i have the audio this is a an unknown unnamed blue-haired young lady who is getting evicted from an apartment or a room because she's not paying rent well that seems reasonable that's how, you know you got to pay rent if you're going to live somewhere Listen to how she reacts to uh, being evicted. You legally have to give me a month. No, I don't, because you haven't paid one brown penny. I, I'm not obligated to, and I, le I can't afford to. Guess what? Doesn't matter. You can't just tell me I have two weeks to find somewhere. <laughs> You've had over a month. And no, you haven't. Look. You have done nothing but dig your heels in and try and make me feel bad about your- No, I haven't! I've been trying to educate you! No, your education is brainwashing. No, it's not! You just won't listen to me! No, I'm not gonna listen to this- Now you talk- I have schizophrenia! I don't care what you have. <laughs> I don't. It doesn't mean we live in squalor. And it doesn't mean you're a bully. You, I'm not even a bully. You literally dead need me, misgender me, and tell me that, like. Oh, wow. Life is hard. What a right. drama fit. Wow. <laughs> that sounded like a child, like an, right. like almost like a toddler. Well, it certainly sounded like a junior hire. Yeah. I've heard junior hires do that. But no, and I, I don't know who she is or how old she is, but from the one picture I have, she looks you know, in her 20s. Yeah. And, uh, and boy, she What's is. What's the lesson? Pay your rent. Yeah, pay your rent pay and your rent. stop squealing and crying when an adult's right. trying to have a Life conversation. Life does not <laughs> care about your circumstances. you got to overcome right. them. Not Hard just, lesson, but true. Man, yeah. no kidding. That's, uh, that's, my, that's my stack for today without getting into something that's going to take us uh, a, long, a little longer than we have left. Well, but, uh, we've learned a couple things. Uh, terms matter. Yes. Right. Definitions matter. And pay your rent, as Ray mentioned. <laughs> Youngins, if you're listening, get that wisdom. That's right. Right there. All right. Thanks, Steve. My pleasure. Appreciate it, Ray. Thank you, Walker. All right, folks. Today's issue is American Family Radio. Good to be with you today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, with more news of the day. From a Christian perspective, see you then. <laughs>